Welcome to the Ben Don't Break podcast. We are powered by the Source Weekly, Ben's locally owned newspaper. This podcast is our eddy in the rushing waters of local journalism. We are glad that you're taking some of your time to listen to us chat with the people who shape our local community. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, Remax Key Properties, a family-owned, full-service real estate brokerage specializing in residential, luxury, commercial, new construction, and ranch and land properties. Their new state-of-the-art facility at 42 Greenwood Avenue is a modern, collaborative space and the new home of the Ben Don't Break podcast recording studio. I'm Aaron Schweitzer, publisher of The Source, and here today with me is Phil Chang, Deschutes County Commissioner. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me here. Phil came to Deschutes County in 2004 looking for a great place to raise a family, to continue his career in natural resource management, and to enjoy the great outdoors. His connection to the community grew deeper. He's helped bring people together to steward our forest, represented our community to Washington, D.C. as a congressional staffer, and raised his son here. Phil has served on the boards of Bend 2030, the Deschutes chapter of Trout Unlimited, and the River West Neighborhood Association. He enjoys volunteering for trail maintenance and river stewardship products projects with a variety of local nonprofits. He holds a BA from Columbia University and an MS from UC Berkeley. And of course, he is currently the Deschutes County Commissioner. Phil, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. You've got a uh, quite a resume of public service going here. I have, I've worked in the public sector for 20 years. That's the full 20 years that I've lived here in Bend. Yeah. I um I had forgotten that you um you uh, worked in the Merkley office over here. I was the the field representative uh, for Central Oregon and North Central Oregon for three and a half years. I'm always interested in uh, and I've been doing a little a lot of this in the podcast talking about origin stories and uh, you know what at, at what point does someone realize that that public service is really kind of their calling? Can you point to some? Some place like that? I've been engaged in natural resources work. I've been engaged in conservation work. I've, I've been engaged in community development since I graduated from college. Yeah. And uh, I did a lot of that work in the nonprofit sector, you know, did a lot of work with youth in, yeah. uh, when in my 20s. And I think by the time I had, a, uh, by, by the time I arrived here in, in Central Oregon, um, I could see that a lot of the best opportunities for doing that work were in the public sector. Yeah. And um, just tracked from there. Well, I got to think that Columbia and Berkeley have a pretty good political flora and fauna around the, those universities. Uh, yes, they, they <laughs> definitely do. Um, I mean, you know, in, in some ways, m- maybe maybe less than less than in the eras when they established those reputations. Yeah, sure. Uh, but um, there, there are a lot of uh, engaged, uh, civic-minded, activist-type people yeah. uh, at both of those institutions. Were, you, were your parents uh, civic-minded? Uh, n- no. My parents were... Uh, my, my, t- my parents immigrated to the U.S. and... Uh, just said about the you know very basic work of learning to make a living, yeah. uh, you know establishing uh, households and and families and raising those families and that yeah. was 
that was pretty much what they had had time for. My my grandparents actually were, uh, they were pretty involved in. Um, they, they they were they were civically involved. They were in, in, involved in uh, the in uh, the nationalist government. Okay. Um, back in the day in in China, back in the day when um, the nationalist government uh, first helped to win World War II alongside mm-hmm. the communists, and then got kicked out right. by the communists. <laughs> so, well, I wonder. I mean, some of that some of that uh, has to come through. To yourself, I mean, they were they supportive of you as you started to get involved with environmental organizations, or like get get a real job, Phil? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, I mean that uh, I, um, you know, the the Asian American model minority mm-hmm. um, kind of uh, expectations were very uh, very much alive and well in both my my household when I was growing up and uh, on the East Coast where I where I grew up. So. Sure. Sure. So um, I definitely was not doing what my parents exactly wanted me to do. <laughs> well, I hope they're supportive now. You're you're charting the course of a, of a whole county. So yeah, I uh, I have I have good support from my family. <laughs> good. Yeah. Um, well, it, it's uh, you're you're reaching the end of your first term, and you have elected to uh, seek reelection. So something about it is. Uh, Pushing you to do do more work, I think. Uh, yeah. I think everybody reaches this point where they're like, "Is is this really where I want to be? County government?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the there is so much important work to be done uh, at the county government level. Uh, many of the most important uh, conservation issues that we uh-huh. deal with, you know, land use, uh, um, drought resiliency. We can really get a, a lever, get leverage on from the county level. Uh, you know, county government, unlike city government, is uh, our our biggest department is health services. So we are health health yeah. and human services agency. Unlike um, you know city governments, which sure uh, you know they they have water utilities and sewer utilities and things like that, which county governments don't have. But they are not health and human services agencies and. Um, so dealing with the um, the mental health crises and the substance use disorder crises that our, our community is facing, those are those are places where we can really have an impact sure. at the county level. So in, in, in so many ways, it's a, it's a really impactful place to be uh, to be working right now. Um, you know at the same time I, um, I it is uh, the, the the current board of commissioners is is pretty divided, sure. um, in and there's some really entrenched ideological divisions, uh, and it's it's frustrating and, and tiring. Yeah, as well, well, I mean, it's a I mean, fair to say that's a pretty fair reflection of the county. You know, I I, I mean, we'll we always see in the election exactly how those divisions go, but yeah, um, you know, having been here as long as I have, I mean, even seeing one ideological difference on the county board is somewhat of a new trend. And, uh, I think even in your last election, when you beat Phil Henderson, uh, that was a pretty, I mean, he was, uh, very conservative. I think it's fair to say. And, um, having his seat go blue was, was a big change for the county. 
It was, yeah, yeah, and and uh, I I would I would agree the county is uh, it is very it is divided. I would say it's really closely divided. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's interesting when I you know when I arrived here twenty years ago, uh, I felt like you know political offices were dominated by moderate Republicans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were often reasonable, moderate Republicans, you know, listened to everybody's ideas, you know, were very pragmatic about trying to solve problems. And I, I, I feel like um, while our community has, has um, gotten more purple, um, the right end of the spectrum has gotten more extreme. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so... You know, in some ways, we can't do things now that uh, we could have done when we had, you know, when we had a board of commissioners or a city council that was completely dominated by moderate Republicans, sure. you, know, yep. tw- you know, 15, 20 years ago. Um, and that's that's uh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Well, that seems to be the, the tone of a lot of our politics. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it certainly is trickling down. Yeah. Do, do you find, um, you know, one of my all-time favorite politicians was at the county level, Tammy Bainey, who a good example of a yeah. uh, moderate Republican who, um, <clears throat> and I watched her from when she got into, uh, over the course of her tenure there, becoming more into the mental health and, yeah. and uh, part of the county. And, and I'm always struck by, well, of course, I, I spend a lot of time on, local social media channels seeing who's beating up on who and what the trends are it's a little toxic for sure yeah. uh, but next door certainly rules a roost on on those kind of discussions yeah. but what i'm always struck by is how confused people are regarding what the what services the city does what services the county does there's so much confusion oh, yeah. about why doesn't the city you know do this, do this right. stuff and yeah. i'm like well you should call phil because he's really the one who's gonna right. handle those issues those are not city issues and um I, I imagine it must be true for a candidate like yourself as well you get in everybody tells you hey you're going to be doing some conservation work most of the stuff is land use and then you get in you find out man the social services part of the, yeah. the county is so enormous it's huge and and then you know you might have to cite a new landfill that, right. uh, you know, the first landfill that's been built in the state of Oregon in decades. And, right, right. um, that, that there are always things that come up and you have COVID. Yeah. Um, I guess COVID is a health and human services yeah. issue, but, um, but there, there's, there's definitely been, been some surprises. Uh, you know, the County is also really involved in, uh, you know, in, in, um, public safety, uh, criminal justice, community justice. Yeah. I mean, we we don't run the the circuit court, but we provide the space for the sort right. the state's circuit court to, right. to function here in, in in the county. And um, all of the district attorney's deputies are county employees. Right. And, um, the sheriff submits his budget. The, the sheriff, yeah, the sheriff is his own elected official, but you know his his budget is is our budget. Right. I mean, uh, you know, for human resource purposes, right. you know, the, the sheriff's office is part of the county, um, community justice, you know, parole and probation, uh, you know, juvenile justice. Those are all county functions. Nine one one. Um, so, 
so there's there's a lot there's a lot to learn about uh, within the within the purview of a county commissioner. And, and I find it fascinating, and and maybe this you don't you don't feel this, but um, you know certainly from a newspaper perspective, when we're covering county issues versus city issues, oh, the city issues trend so high. They want to talk to the mayor. They want to, they want to really get in there with the city council. There's not that same fervor for county commissioners. I mean, it's a good thing for you. You don't have, you don't get quite the ire, some, but, but isn't that fascinating considering how impact more, I feel more impactful the county is for, for a lot of these services. Uh, it, it is. Um, and, uh, in, in many ways, uh, being, uh, you know, being a, a backwater of the, you know, of, of public interest is, a, is a, <laughs> it, it, uh, prevents us from doing a good job. Yeah. Right. When, when people are watching, uh, you know, commissioners play their a game Yeah. when they, when they don't feel like people are watching, they do not play their a game. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I, you know, I always try to, I always try to do my job like I, like people are watching and I encourage people to watch. Right. Cause I, I think, uh, it, it keeps us accountable and it keeps us responsive, um, to, to our constituents. Um, well, one of the things I'm, I'm always fascinated by and, and would love to get your feedback on is transportation in the County as it, as it grows, you know, we, see i mean it's common parlance to talk about traffic now between redmond and bend so many people priced out of bend living in redmond and now redmond's getting expensive but nonetheless it's a it's a haven and you can see it you can feel it and now they're putting all that land to blade out by um uh where the new costco is going to go and you're going to have all that additional Mm -hmm. traffic and cars um, what is the county doing to look at, I mean, I once posed to Phil Henderson, like, when's the tram coming? Like, we're certainly going to have it. I yeah. know that's so far in the future, yeah. but there's got to be some kind of discussions about what, how are people going to get back and forth? Yeah, it, it's uh, a really important thing to, 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 to note for people. Um, we have a county road department. We do not have a county transportation department. Right. Um, and I, I think that's, that's a reflection of both fiscal realities and perhaps a lack of vision as well. Um, you know, as, as I think, you know, gas tax money is required to be spent on roads. Right. Um, so mm-hmm. we can't take gas tax uh, revenue and put it into uh, rail or public transit or things like that. Um, and, you know, so we, we use that money for roads. We have a roads department. And we, we do coordinate, you know, that the, the, the primary, the primary connection between Bend and Redmond is still Highway 97, right. state highway. Um, the city has a role, the county has a role in working with ODOT to, sure. to kind of rejigger that and, and expand it as needed to, to address the needs. But um, it is, that's, that's a state road, but we can see on... Klein Falls Highway, Old Ben Redmond Highway, Deschutes Market Road—you know all of these, all these other north-south mm-hmm. routes. All the um, ways you can go to get around having to travel down oh, ninety-seven. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, but you know, Hunnell Road um, was in the county's, uh, you know, transportation system plan from ten years ago, and 
finally got around to to, to working on it in, in the last couple of years. Yeah. The, the county portion of Hunnell Road, not the right. not the uh, very famous portion of Hunnell Road that um, you know hosted all those homeless right. uh, homeless camps. Uh, but you know when when we started work on Hunnell Road, the f- people's first concern was you're doing this to create a cut through to another cut through to Redmond. Um, and that wasn't the reason, but, uh, but you know, it's uh, very difficult to dissuade people from, yeah. from thinking that. Right. Uh, so, you know, to, to go more to your question, like what can we do? Um, I do think that the County could have a little bit more vision uh, around, around transportation issues. Uh, we, we also really need to think about, patterns of development, right? If people live close to where they work, uh, to where they need to go shopping, to where they need to go to school, you don't need as many cars. Uh, And so we can start by looking at land use and, you know, the county from the county side of the urban growth boundary can encourage um, thoughtful growth um, that, that, you know, gives people lots of different options for, for getting where they're going. Um, we but can the, also, but our current reality, I mean, I just had one of my sales reps purchase a home in Redmond. I mean, the reality is it's not a decrease in, in car travel. It's an increase in car travel. You're, you, you just see yeah. the necessities and it goes to probably my next subject, which is housing. Mm-hmm. You, you, the, that crisis compels people to drive. You, you, yeah. you don't, and, and, you know, maybe, you know, and we, we joke about this in the office, she's going to find that Redmond's. Just as cool as Bent. Yeah. Got cool restaurants. You can stay there, eat, and yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you're still coming into Bend for work. Yes. Yeah. And and right now, the the, the most practical way to get from, yeah. from Redmond to Bend is, is by is by car. Um, you know, bus is, yeah, the, the, the bus system is expanding. And, you know, we, we really have the... Um, the state legislature to thank for creating a payroll tax yeah. you know, five years ago that is now uh, like the primary funder for public transit in the state of Oregon. Uh, the, the money funnels through the county because we don't have a transit district. And so um, my, my, my colleagues think that um, we play some really important role in this, but it's basically like we're a funnel. You were a funnel for state money that sure. the legislature had the guts to create yeah. to get to Cascade East Transit, who actually does the work. Right. Um, but uh, that, you know, that that's an that's another thing we you know another place we could be looking at, you know, local investments to really expand public transit opportunities yeah. as well. Let's let's shift to housing because that's certainly more in the wheelhouse of of the county and. Um, you, you guys have passed some new rules around ADUs. Um, yeah. There's been discussions about, you know, what does it look like for people living in RVs on county land? I mean, I can remember when, when I, I, I live in Tumalo, I first moved to Tumalo, there was a lot of alternative housing on those, those pieces of land. Lots of yeah. RVs and yurts and, you know, yeah. just tons of crazy stuff uh, you yeah. used to see back in the day. Um, what does, how, how comfortable are you feeling about the direction the county's moving with regard to allocating these lands? Because you're certainly also increasing population in the county. Yeah. Um, the, the, the question of, you know, we, we, we all recognize we have a housing crisis in our community, uh, particularly a workforce housing crisis. And the, when, when people 
ask me, well, what is the county's role in this? Um, I, you know, I definitely want to talk about land use. I mean, I, I will also say that um, when we were handed $38 million of American Rescue Plan funding, we turned around and put $8 million of that into affordable housing projects. So, yeah. um, And we've created a, um, a missing middle grant program uh, with uh, the Builders Association uh, in, the, in, the last, um, in the last year that'll provide basically like thir- about a $30,000 per unit grant for, um, for 80 to 120% area median income um, home ownership opportunities um, to, just to help try to help buy down the cost of, of production of that. So funding is a piece of it. In some of our communities, you know, Lapine and Redmond, the county owns a bunch of land within the urban growth boundaries. Oh. So we can also contribute uh, chunks of land. The, the North Point Vista project in Redmond, Redmond um, uh, Habitat for Humanity projects in the, in the city of Lapine, um, we can help buy down the cost of that housing to the people who ultimately rent it or, or, or purchase it by donating land. Sure. Um, but then in, in land use, it's a, it, it is a really big question what is the county's role uh, in producing the housing that we need? And, um, you know, my, you know, based on their voting record, one could, one could, be, one could believe that my fellow commissioners uh, think that the county's role is to uh, make more 10 acre rural residential parcels and, uh, make more opportunities for additional destination resorts in our community. Um, I think something that, we badly need more, <laughs> more destination resorts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, a 10 acre ranchette too. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. um, it's really important for people to understand that, you know, these things have had a very important role in Deschutes County's yeah. development trajectory to date. And I, I will not take, you know, I, I will not take anything away from the destination resorts and, and the, the housing that has already been built. But I will say that I don't think we need more of it yeah. necessarily. We have, uh, outside of incorporated cities in Deschutes County, we have 34,000 housing units already. Yeah. Well, uh, I think the destination resorts would agree with you. I mean, it's I my understanding is that they're pretty comfortable with the number and yeah. getting more competition and more destination resorts at this time and if you're listening, you can call me and, and uh, tell me I'm wrong. But uh, <laughs> oh. I think they're they're feeling an adequate amount as well. Yeah, yeah, no, and and uh, but we we definitely don't see that in the um, in, in the voting patterns of my yeah. fellow commissioners. Right. Uh, so there are these there are these opportunities like the rural ADUs where um, if you're going to put more housing units in the rural county, uh, putting it within the, basically within the shadow, the footprint of an existing primary dwelling Mm -hmm. is about the least impactful way I I see of, of adding additional housing units and thousands of additional housing units, uh, in rural Deschutes County. Uh, you know, these, these will be small, uh, you know, 900 square feet of livable, of, of usable indoor living space. Um, they will be close to the primary residence within a hundred feet, mm-hmm. um, shared infrastructure, you know, septic wells, things right. like that. Right. So, I mean, does it, does it, does it further fragment the, the, the landscape, you know, in terms of habitat? 
some. Uh, does it add more people who will be driving into Bend every morning and driving out of Bend every night? Some, yeah. But is it is it again the the least impactful way of adding some additional housing in the rural county? I, I think so. Yeah, and chipping away at the housing crisis yeah. as it, as it can. Yeah, and and urban growth boundary expansions. I mean, that's the. Um, um, to me, that is the county's big role in addressing housing in, in, uh, from a land use perspective in our region. Is How much impact do you have when the city begins to look at an urban growth boundary? Do they, <clears throat> is it a mutual like, hey, I think this is where it should go? Or is it the city going, we want this area? Um, th- this is sort of like, a, uh, this is based on precedent in some ways. <laughs> right. Uh, there are parts of the state where cities and counties slug it out right. over urban growth boundary expansions. Um, and uh, here in Deschutes County, the county has always played, you know, has always, you know, uh, lined up right behind the cities, whatever the cities want to do. Right. Um, so when, you know, the, when the city of Bend asked for a very large urban growth boundary expansion back in, you know, 2006, seven, whenever that was. County lined up behind them. When they asked for a much smaller urban growth boundary expansion, county lined up behind them. Um, so there is, the county has a pot- potentially significant role to play in uh, in that process, but we have been pretty, uh, we've deferred to the cities mm-hmm. um, for the most part. Um, you know, one, one little, uh, uh, it's not so little, actually, it's pretty significant. One issue that we're trying to sort out right on the eastern edge of the city of Bend right now is um, there have been several rezone applications uh, from exclusive farm use to either rural residential 10 or multiple use agriculture 10 uh, in the last few years. Hundreds of acres immediately on the eastern boundary of of, uh, the city of Bend right right now. And... um, the, the 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 landowners uh, say, well, the reason we want to do these rezones is to set ourselves up for inclusion in the urban growth boundary. And I said, like, I think that's great, and I I want to be sure that we can complete that process because the county really only handles the phase one of two phases. You know, we we help them get the rezone done, but then the inclusion in the urban growth boundary is entirely dependent on yeah, the city. Can you can you make that promise? Uh, and, and they, yeah, so that's what I, that's what I want. I, I kind of want a little bit of a promise. Yeah. Uh, don't let us rezone these 59 acres. And then, uh, you know, next year, if you experience economic distress, you turn around and you build five, $2 million homes because you can, on 59 acres, you can only get five, not, not, not even six, right. uh, and those same fifty-nine acres, if they are brought into the urban growth boundary and you know developed at urban densities, you know you could you could have five hundred homes. Yeah, it's right. Do you, you want five homes? Right. Do you want five hundred homes? Right. So I want a little bit of certainty around that. Um, and you know, I had a big we had yeah. a big arguments about this on the on yeah. the board of commissioners. You know, Commissioner Devone says, "Well, if they want to build, you know." If, you know, our job is just to say that this isn't farmland, and if they want to build five, mm-hmm. ten acre, you know, properties, they can do that. 
Um, that, that's their freedom as, as, as landowners. And I say, well, you know, we are essentially upzoning them. So I think, you know, we, we can, it, it's appropriate for us to try to put some conditions on that and just try to realize the vision that the landowner themselves is, is yeah. articulating. It sounds like, yeah, in that, in that case, uh, it would be articulating a vision versus allowing the landowner to, uh, assert their own vision for that individual piece of property. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I mean, it, we, we, we will probably figure out some way of, you know, doing like a, a an overlay right in the vicinity of the city or band or something yeah. like that to be able to, um, say, all right, you own those 59 acres. Uh, you suddenly want to do some development in advance of the time of the, when the urban growth boundary comes to you, um, you could do a cluster. Right. You know, in, in a corner of that property and then keep the rest as a nice blank slate for, for a future urbanization. Phil, we're, we're reaching the end of our time. Is, what do you feel the county could do, be doing more of? Or when we're talking about vision, where, where are we headed that we shouldn't be? Or where would you like to see the county tack? Yeah, Um we really do need to circle back to mental health and substance use disorders. We really need to expand our capacity, um, our treatment capacity yeah. in this community. And that's not just, it's not just people, you know, clinicians and peer support specialists. It's also, um, it's also beds, right. um, residential treatment facilities, secure residential treatment facilities, um, People come out of people come out of uh, uh, the, the state hospital. Uh, people come out of um, you know various treatment programs, and if uh, and and if there's not a an appropriate place for them to land, or sorry, they come out of the state hospital, they come out of the stabilization center, they come out of yeah. like, you know crisis, you know, come out of the 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 emergency center at the hospital, and if there's not an appropriate place for them to go right. something um, to catch them yeah in transition yeah i mean we we're uh there are kids you know kids can't even go to the psychiatric emergency center at the hospital so there are kids who are showing up at the emergency department um being admitted the, the, the hospital says you know you are men- you have mental illness to a degree that it is appropriate for you to be admitted sure. for care but we don't they don't they don't have anything for them so they they just board them. Keep them overnight. They board them at yeah. the emergency department, sometimes for like two or three weeks. Wow. Um, and, you know, the kids not killing themselves, but they're not getting treatment. They right. are just being you know, boarded at the, yeah. at the emergency room. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that, uh, that, that's, uh, um, that's an area, um, uh, that, that's part of my vision is you know, we need more uh, mental health and addiction treatment capacity. What does that um, look like? What does it look like to, I mean, it, it all comes down to dollars, right? Where, where are you yeah. going to find that additional yeah. financial support for those kind of resources? Uh, I think we, we really need help from the state. Um, when it comes to the bricks and mortar, we could actually find funds uh, from the federal government. Uh, you know, that we're in this, couple of year window of time which hopefully will last a little longer where um congress can do earmarks you know a year and a half ago i i uh, advocated along alongside 
La Pine Community Health Center for a federal earmark um, for uh, their expansion project got like, uh, you know, $3 million. And we could do the exact same thing for a, a child psychiatric mm-hmm. emergency center or a secure residential treatment facility or something like that. Um, What's holding yeah. us back? Um, we need enough matching funds yeah. <laughs> to, 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 to move forward. And we need, we need a partners who are ready to step and say, I will uh, organize the design and construction of this, and then I will operate it. Uh, and that's, okay. um, you know, and, and that starts to back you into stuff like, um, um, OHP reimbursement rates not being adequate for, for the kind of care that you're going to So that your business model, you know, I'm providing this service, but I'm, I'm losing money on every patient. Um, so your business models doesn't work out. Right. So um, the funding of, of various kinds. Um, if I could just say, say one other thing, like in terms of, in terms of vision, the, the housing, on the, on the housing front, I think we need to do more than think about land use, I think we actually need to, uh, subsidize. Okay. Uh, we, we need to, you know, we want to see, we want to see a lot of ADUs. You do what Summit County, Colorado did and provide a $60,000 grant per ADU. Um, and you'll see a whole lot more property owners say like, yeah, that, that pencil's now, and I will give you the deed restriction, um, that you want for your 60,000 bucks and rent this to a local worker. Phil, we're going to have to do part two. I barely scratched the surface of my questions. We're at the end of our time. Uh, Happy to come back. Yeah, love yeah. it. Phil, thanks for thanks for being here on the Ben Don't Break podcast. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Ben Don't Break podcast powered by The Source Weekly. To read, hear, and see more of what we do, go to bensource.com.